It's Tuesday, January 25th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Politicians point to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech as a call for equality, but often ignore his work to dismantle poverty. You have people who are antithetical to his vision, using his name in speeches and boldly lying about what King represented. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson speaks with St. Louis University historian Christopher Tinson about King's call for economic justice. A supplemental budget bill that provides raises to all state employees in Missouri has stalled weeks after its first committee hearing. The measure calls for a 5.5% hike for state workers, and Governor Mike Parson wants that to kick in by February 1st. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, the bill also includes funding for Missouri schools. In his State of the State address, Governor Mike Parson reiterated his support for raises for all state employees, calling them long overdue. However, other than an initial hearing on the emergency supplemental budget, no further action has been taken, meaning the bill continues to sit in committee. Senator Dan Hegeman, who chairs the Senate Appropriations Committee, said last week he sees general support for the raises. We've got to get the state into a competitive position where we can attract and retain some some, uh, employees again and, and reward those that are standing there. In addition to state raises, the emergency supplemental budget also includes almost $2 billion in federal funding for schools that must be mostly allocated before March 24th. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. AT&T is suing the city and the St. Louis Collector of Revenue over a payroll tax. The company says St. Louis is wrongly applying that 0.5% tax on employees who do not work or live in the city. The Post-Dispatch reports it's the first known legal challenge to the payroll tax collection during the pandemic. The newspaper reports the fee accounts for $40 million in revenue for the city. The St. Louis Collector of Revenue Office is reviewing the legal action. There has been a lawsuit focusing on the city's 1% earnings tax on workers and residents. A judge dismissed that case. Some school districts in the St. Louis area are continuing to require masks as they react to lawsuits by Missouri's Attorney General. Eric Schmidt says he has filed lawsuits against 45 public school districts over COVID-19 mitigation policies. Nine of those cases were filed yesterday. 28 are in the St. Louis region, including St. Louis Public Schools, Rockwood, Parkway, and Hazelwood. The Francis Howell School District calls the lawsuit a, quote, waste of taxpayer money on both sides. Many districts say they are still waiting to officially receive the lawsuits. We have a full list of schools being sued by the Attorney General at stlpr.org. The St. Louis FBI and six bomb squads in Missouri and Illinois have launched a week-long effort to get military explosives out of people's houses. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports. The FBI and local police departments regularly get calls from residents who might find old grenades a loved one brought home from war. Others may have purchased items at a gun show, thinking they're fake. Spencer Evans is the interim special agent in charge of the St. Louis FBI office. He says there is no good way for people who are not professionals to tell if something is real or not. Some of the fakes are very realistic. I guess our message would be, when in doubt, give us a call so that our folks can come check it out. Evans says anyone who finds something that looks like an explosive should call 314-589-2680. Responding officers are not looking to press charges. They just want to secure potentially dangerous items. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio.
The publisher of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is asking shareholders to help fight a hostile takeover bid from hedge fund Alden Global Capital. Iowa-based Lee Enterprises has sent a letter calling on shareholders to support its board nominees in the dispute with Alden. Lee has already rejected the fund's roughly $140 million bid. The newspaper publisher says the offer undervalues the company. The two are still fighting in court over whether Alden is allowed to nominate its own board of directors in advance of an annual election March 10th. Alden is known for acquiring newspapers and eliminating jobs to make the publications more profitable. Many politicians cite Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech as a reminder of his call for equality. But during the March on Washington in 1963 and later, King wanted the country to address poverty. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson asked St. Louis University historian Christopher Tinson why people omit King's call for economic rights. I think that America, and particularly our government leaders, have a way of kind of scrubbing the past to favor their belief system. And I think Dr. King, though unpopular at the time of his death, has been co-opted. His legacy has been co-opted. And you have people who are antithetical to his vision, using his name in speeches, PSAs, and boldly lying about what King represented. And so I'm not surprised that people miss the economic piece. And I think people intentionally want to avoid the economic situation that he spoke about because there's no will to really address it in a, in a coherent way. Since the end of slavery, the economic position of Black Americans really hadn't improved much as intergenerational transfers of wealth account for the wealth gap. How much is that central to the unfulfilled promise of the civil rights movement? I think I will point to the post-World War II period as a period of you know, possibility for Black folk to, one, utilize some of the civic levers, if you will, of home ownership, you know, service in the military, educational opportunities to kind of advance their, themselves and, and propel them towards a middle-class lifestyle. Um, a. Philip Randolph was critical to the original Marshall Washington in the 1940s. He and Bayard Rustin were really before King talking about economic justice um, and really uh, putting that in the government's lap as something that the government had to resolve, that this wasn't Black people's fault that they were poor. So at the time of his death, King was in Memphis working with the sanitation workers, striving for higher pay and better working conditions. He and a few other civil rights leaders spoke of the contrast of poverty and wealth during that time. But were they raising questions about the nation's economic system and calling for a broader distribution of wealth? Yes. But, you know, the problem was since the 1940s, that position of redistribution of wealth was seen to be a communist view. Mm -hmm. So there was, yeah, absolutely people calling for redistribution of wealth. But that view was was criminalized and demonized. You know, just that statement, redistribution of wealth, even now that raises a lot of uh, red flags for people. Why do you think that... uh critics of today's activism cite King's I Have a Dream speech as a reminder of what they think Black Americans should be striving for, but omit, you know, his economic message. I think it's harder to talk about the real material circumstances of Black folks' life. And so even though there's bits and pieces of that in the speech itself, Mm -hmm. but this idea of dreaming is just a brilliant 
American metaphor. I have a dream is part of the American dream. So it's very clever on his behalf to really just link the two. He was a humanitarian through and through. And that's why I think the dream becomes this great performance. But you can't read that absent of looking at his other pieces. But I think, you know, King was an inheritor of a long conversation about rights. And I think that he had a profound and undying love for humanity. And so the I Have a Dream speech reflects that. And I think people are comfortable with that because it's like you could be a criminal, but your grandmother's still going to pray for you. And that was his prayer for America. And America knows it's criminal. Mm -hmm. However, please pray for me. Do you think that with the way that things are going today, that Dr. King would be proud or he would look upon the work that's done as something that he could stand behind? Or would it just be disappointing to him? I think anybody of his consciousness would be profoundly disappointed with the attacks on voting rights with the contracting of educational, equal educational opportunities for poor folk and poor folk of color. And we have people, elected officials who are doing everything they can to make it more difficult, doing everything they can to have less people vote. (laughs) And this is troubling. And I think Dr. King would not retreat from calling that out. That was SLU African-American Studies Director Christopher Tinson speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson. Our David Caceres edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.